like we're coming in at just the right time for episode 210 of Catfish on Ice with your hosts, Chad Minton and Max Greenberg. Coming at you right now. What's up, Max? How you doing, man? Not too bad, not too bad. Just some got the game on TV as well. Just here, just multitasking, you know? Well, hey, man. Um, I got to tell you, the NHL is the gift that keeps on giving. There, You don't need a script. It's just the best daytime soap opera in all of sports. I mean, if you, took right a day, if you took a day off from uh, – looking up hockey news for a day and you walked in today and looked up everything. Oh my gosh. There's so much going on right now. And and things happen. Yeah. Just a few minutes. Exactly. So right now we're coming at you in the third period between the predators and the Pittsburgh penguins. No love lost there. We will never, ever get over that 2017 cup final loss. No, that's not not at all. um, Yeah. It's not good. We're in the third period right now, and right as we literally right when we were going live just now, the Penguins tied it up yep. two to two. The Preds had a 2 0 lead, that cursed two goal lead that scares everybody. Max, you're already nearly, shaking your it head was over nearly there. Nearly a three goal lead the other night that we coughed up. Yes. And you're already shaking your head over there, man. I can already tell that you're like, not feeling it, man. But we're tied at two. There's a little over 16 minutes left in, in the third period. So episode two, 210 of Catfish on Ice is going to be all about watching this final period, seeing yep. if it goes to overtime, seeing what happens, giving you our reaction to what's happened so far. We've got a lot in store for you tonight. We are brought to you by DraftKings and also Raycon, promo code THPN for exclu- exclusive offers on both of those amazing uh, brands and products. And we will tell you more about them later. We're part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, Really awesome to be in here with you guys watching this third period between the Predators and the Penguins. It's been a really great game so far, Max. Yeah, I I haven't watched a ton of it. I uh, I didn't watch the first period. I watched a little bit of the second, but it's been pretty even the whole time. And, you know, at least since I've started watching, you know, obviously shots of the game aren't and everything, but they've always – the Penguins are ahead by like seven. It stayed that way for a while. So yeah, it seems like pretty evenly matched. And right now the Preds got the puck in the offensive zone. Although my my feed is probably a good bit behind everyone else. I because I have the Valley Sports feed, which is just it's not good. Yeah. So we are yeah, we're about 15 minutes left in the third period right now. And this game has basically been a battle of attrition, which is Really what hockey comes down to. In every hockey game, every hockey game's different. You treat every hockey game differently. But this game has been the prototypical battle for loose pucks. Who's going to win the battles? Who is going to win the loose puck battles? Both teams have had pretty good defensive structure in this game. I think both teams have done a good job overall at protecting their goaltenders. Um, so. The, the goal that, that the Penguins scored when we were going on live just now, I still got to really see the replay on it, but it looked like a puck where there was a lot of traffic in front of Soros. He couldn't see the puck. The first goal the Penguins scored tonight was just the product of Evgeny Malkin just being one of the all-time greats. Yep. It was just a snipe. It was just a seemingly harmless play. Harmless play 
Harmless rush by the Penguins. You think the Predators are good. There's, they're cruising. They're up 2 nothing, And Malkin comes cruising into the zone off a drop pass and just snipes so it, pings it right past Soros. I believe it was. Yes. Yep. You're exactly right, Max. So, big turning point in the game right now as we do live reaction here in episode 210 of Catfish and Ice. The Predators' penalty kill, which is near the bottom of the league, is going to be tested here. We're in a 2-2 game. Cole Smith goes to the box. Got to kill this penalty off. That's a penalty kill of two, so that's not great. Yes. And you're, you know, you're riding a five-game winning streak right now. Everyone's feeling good about themselves. Things are feeling great. You jump out to a 2 nothing lead in this game. And you're in, suddenly in danger of blowing another 2-0 lead, which you did against the Coyotes, which you did against, what was the other team? Anaheim. Anaheim, yes. Yeah. Thank you for jotting my memory was, on that. It was yeah. two, two, two games in a row, and in the, in the Arizona game was two two-goal leads blown in the same game. Yes. So these two-goal leads actually scare us. We got some Absolutely. comments coming in here. Redemption, our good friend Johnny comes in. Hey, yep. Chad Max, I'll hang out for the third period since you guys are recording. I will have to go and do the fan reaction as soon as the game is yes, over, though. Yes, Johnny does his awesome fan reaction videos. Go subscribe to him on YouTube. He does awesome. I love his animation. I love his, his passion for it. We got Justin in here. I'm playing Justin in fantasy hockey this week. I don't know. I don't remember who I'm playing this week. I feel check. I forgot who I'm playing this week. Justin, I love you, man, but I'm coming for you. Hello back. Thank you for saying hello. <laughs> but I'm coming for you, dude. My team is two and four, but I, wait, wait, wait a minute. I got to talk about our fantasy hockey league for a second. I've got like the fourth most points in the entire league, but my record is two and four. How yeah. is that fair? It's just, it's just fantasy sometimes. I mean, I don't know how, like one of my, <laughs> like one of my buddies in a football league, he is like at one point in the season, he had a ton of points. Like he was taught at least at the very least top three in points four and he was two and five. You just never know how fantasy works on one given week. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's it's it just BS sometimes. It's all it's what it comes down to. It's been fun though. So Justin, I'm coming for you. And also, perfect perfect timing because tonight we got to see Michael McCarron drop the gloves. Yeah. We know he's a brawler, and we are actually going to rank our five best fighters in Predators history. And there's a ton to choose from because Speaking one thing McCarran, we know about he's the got, he's got two, two goals, so he's going for the Gordie Howe hat trick tonight. He is. And one thing we know about the Predators, they've always had some brawlers. They've always had some blue-collar players that weren't afraid to drop the gloves. Absolutely. So we are going to narrow it down to five. I got some honorable mentions as well, but I got my five top fighters. Max, he can throw in his fighters as well. I think we'll be in agreement with, with a few of them. But I got some, I got some stats here. Mine are probably going to be a little on, more recent than yours. So you – because I'm not like I mean I can't believe I'm admitting admitting, admitting this on like the podcast, but I'm all, I'm not you know as deep into like the Preds like actual like history history as you are. So I'm probably won't, some of yours might be a little older than mine, but I've I've some I think I'm going to throw in there. All right, well we'll see where it goes. We got yeah. the Central Division rundown. We got to talk about the Minnesota Wild. We got to talk yeah. about the Colorado Avalanche. We're going to hit on the Chicago Blackhawks for a little bit. So we got some stuff to cover there. So a lot to get into here. 
on episode 210 of Catfish and Ice. But before we do anything, the Preds do kill that penalty off. We got 12 minutes left in the third period. We'll keep watching this game with you. If any goals are scored or anything significant happens, we will cut to that. But until then, some some news for the podcast. I think a lot of our our loyal listeners maybe already know this, but we have listeners every day who maybe don't follow us on on social media. Maybe they don't know, but there has been a change at the co-host level on Catfish on Ice, and it's a very bittersweet announcement for me because um, I've got an amazing new co-host in Max Greenberg who is on the show with me tonight. He is he, he's going to be awesome, and I can't wait to do many, many, many episodes with this gentleman. But Absolutely. me and Max both know our good friend Rich Howe, who was the longtime co-host of Catfish on Ice. He 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 rode with me in the early days of this podcast when I thought this podcast would fail before ten episodes. I'm just being real with everybody. Um, this was a this was something I scooped up on the side. Someone asked me to do it. I said, yeah, I'll find time to do it. I've never done a podcast. But I knew that I needed good people around me. I couldn't do it on my own. And uh, Rich was um, a good friend of mine at the time who was writing with me for Predlines.com. And he didn't know anything about podcasting either. Me and him both and and our good friend Colin Bluen. At the yep. time, who also jumped on with us, it was a trio of us. We jumped on and and learned as we went, and got better as we went. But Rich stuck out with me through over two hundred episodes, and he's still going to be with the podcast in the future. Yeah, but he had to step away. And, you know, we all have busy lives. We all have things going on, and we do this podcast when we can find time. But very bittersweet news for the podcast because. Rich Howe is like instrumental in this podcast making it as far as it's made it. And uh, he's going to join us when we can. But it's also a new chapter for Catfish and Ice. So that's why I say bittersweet. Because it's also very, very good news today. Because Catfish and Ice is moving into a new era in a new chapter. And Max Greenberg, my awesome co-host, my good friend as well, who knows his preds and me and him are going to do battles together talking hockey. Absolutely, He is the new co-host and, and Max, I'm happy to have you, man. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to be here. Obviously, you know, I was here last week and, you know, I guess didn't know then it'd be a full-time thing, but it turns out to be that way. And, you know, as you said about Rich, you know, Rich is a really good guy and he's always, he's always, and he brings the knowledge all the time too. You know, he, he was on pred lines when I first started writing. He was one of the originals for me as, as I got, you know, kind of in tune with, you know, the Predlines community, also Preds Twitter, just in general, he's always been there. And he's, it's going to be weird, you know, not having, it was kind of weird whenever he, you know, he had to stop writing. And, you know, obviously now he's got things going on. And, you know, we'll always be glad to have Rich back on. You know, he's, again, you know, he brings all the knowledge and he's, yeah, there's, you, can't, you can't say good enough good things about Rich. And, you know, he'll be missed for sure. But I'm glad to be able to be the one to take that next step and be a full-time co-host. Yeah, man, we're going we're gonna to do it. We're going to take this podcast to new heights, but we can't do it without our amazing listeners that support us, our amazing community that we have, all the people that support this podcast. It's a joint effort. It's all literally a joint effort to make this podcast what it is. And so Rich has already said that he's going to join the podcast from here and there whenever he can find time, whenever he can. And of course he knows 
that the door is always open. There's a key under the mat for Rich Howe. He can like he's got a key for him whenever he wants to come into the podcast. He's he not even, even necessary. You just open the unlocked door, but basically is what it is. <laughs> he doesn't even have to tell us. He doesn't even have to tell us. He just needs it. He could pop in right now and we would be like we might, we, might tell, we might even tell him sometime that if he can't, well, I guess he can't, but we might even tell him to join. Yeah, exactly. Justin Gambino jumps in on YouTube and says, we love Rich. I concur. Love that dude so much. So let's move on here. So 10 minutes left now in the third period. We've reached the 10-minute mark. It's still 2-2 Where are you at in the game, by the way? Like, what exact mark? We are. I'm at 10 minutes and 10 seconds in the third period. Uh, I'm at 10.35. Freaking Bally. Oh, me and Rich used to go through this all the time on these live watch-alongs. Welcome uh, it's to like the dance. it's always worked. It's like a lot of times, like our like our group chat that we have, you know, separate from this, they'll go on Discord and watching the game. And I I have to be careful when I can join because I'm always behind. They're always way ahead of me. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'll try not to give anything away. All right. All right. Don't but feel bad. What I'm, I'm saying the same thing whenever I'm ahead of people. <laughs> what I'm saying is this game has definitely been a very good defensive game from both teams. Both goaltenders have been sharp. Uh it, it this is a this is exactly so watching the Valley Sports South broadcast. Um, we we all know about Dan Highnote. Dan Highnote, the assistant head coach, assistant coach for the Preds, is always so forthcoming in how he describes the game. I think Valley Sports does a great job whenever they interview him inside the game. And he yeah. said something that really stood out to me tonight, Max. I don't know if you saw it, but he I said against the Penguins. It's a it's a war on the boards. Oh yeah. So it's all about winning it on the boards, winning the puck battles on the boards. And you look at we we have to talk about it right now. The first two goals scored tonight by the Predators were by Michael McCarron, a player who plays that way. And you know, yep. me and you have both, man. Me and you have both gone back and forth in our writing times talking about why is Michael McCarron in the starting lineup? Like we 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 can never figure it out, but he under John Hines and now under Andrew Burnett, he finds his way into the starting lineup. Max, what are you seeing from him? Do you think that he has earned his starting role? Obviously, he's had he's got two goals in the first period, but even before that, have you come on the other side of that now? And are you a true believer in Michael McCarron being a regular starter? You know, I've always said before, and I wrote an article for Predlines, I believe it was last year, and we were doing our player previews, as we do a lot before the season starts. And I've always said, look, Michael McCarron's going to have a place on any team. Even if he's not a starter, he's a very good rotational player, some guy that he can still come in from game to game, and he's going to give you the hits. He's going to, you know, on certain nights where you're playing teams or you need to up the physical game, he's, of course, going to be that kind of role player. You know, I wouldn't. I don't think he'll I don't necessarily see him being in the lineup night in and night out in a fully healthy team, you know, especially with where the Preds are kind of at center because you know with Yuso Parson and he's a natural center, yet when this when the team's fully healthy, he's playing on the wing a lot of times. So, you know, I don't I don't I wouldn't say I see him in the lineup, you know, if, if we're at full health, but you know, but I like I say, you know, Michael McCarron is obviously gonna be a player that, you know, even if because you know, like I and that's what a lot of people, you know, don't understand, but like Players, just because they don't play every night doesn't mean they don't have a spot on the team. And Michael McCarron, you know, he plays enough, but he also, just, you know, being the player he is, he still does have a place on any team, just as extra depth, and it's it's valuable. I mean, 
it goes underappreciated, but you need those kind of guys to pick up the slack when, you know, players are injured or you just have to be physical because it's a very real thing in hockey as we've learned over the years. There are some games where you just have to up the physical ante, if you will. That depth is extremely important, as you say, and having players like Michael McCarron, maybe not the highest skilled player uh, in terms of offense, maybe, but a prototypical fourth line bruiser and a yeah. prototypical Needed. player that you can go to war with in the playoffs, even in the playoffs, you can go to war with a player like Michael McCarron on your fourth line. Yeah. He's and, not scared of anything. And, and, and he dropped the gloves tonight and he's a tone setter. Oh, and, but he can also give you offense. And we've seen that tonight. And we've all, even before tonight, when he scored the two goals, We've always known that Michael McCarron has a little offense in his back pocket that he can pull out every now and then. He, every and he, now and then, he'll flash it. People forget he was a first. He was a first round pick, as crazy as, as it is to say. He is a first. He was a first round pick. So I mean, there is some talent there. There you go. Yeah, for sure. So down to the eight minute mark, and it's back and forth right now. Both teams are just really battling for they for. Are. Puck possession. Absolutely. Right I can now. see it, it is right here. I'm a little behind you, but I can see they're hacking and whacking at that puck. They are. Neither team can really get set up right now. I can see O'Reilly winning a battle right now. Yes. And what we're seeing is which team is going to crack first? Which yep. team is going to turn the puck over first? Yep. That's kind of what it comes down to because – Special teams has not really proven to be a major factor in this game at all. The Penguins, their power play is actually a mess right now, which you wouldn't expect that with a Sidney Crosby-led team. And especially after getting Eric Carlson this summer, who's an offensive defenseman, you thought that would help out a little bit. Yeah, going into this game, the Penguins had not scored a power play goal in seven games, which is pretty amazing to think about. Yeah, pretty bad. So, good. Yeah, so five-on-five five hockey right now, this is a toe-to-toe battle yep. between these two Absolutely. teams. And they're, I mean, it's perfect script because guess what? They both have the same record, 10-10-0. So I think both teams are better than their record. Would you agree with that? Probably. Max? I mean, the, at least, at least the, I mean, the Penguins, I mean, the Preds are, you know, a newer team, but the Penguins, at least, you know, they're more established and they still have a lot of talent with, you know, Crosby and Malkin are obviously still great, and you feel like they will be till the day they stop playing. So, so you know, I think you know, I think this is a pretty even matchup. And you know, the of course, you know, the Preds are a little younger and faster. So you know, both teams have their strengths and weaknesses, but I think they kind of cancel each other out, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So Justin Gambino asked on YouTube, if this game were to go to overtime, who do you think has the advantage? I would. I would say the Predators have the advantage in a in a overtime scenario because I think they have more speed than and more offensive skill than the Penguins do. But overtime's always a crapshoot. But I would I would lean towards the Predators. Yeah, I, I was going to say you know I think that speed definitely makes a difference. Those young fresh legs that the Penguins don't really have, and you know over three on three overtime is always you know one of those things like who can get the puck in breakaway areas and stuff. So I think that definitely favors the Preds. But you never know. And this game may not even go to overtime. So you never know. I mean, 
the neither team has a has a overtime loss yet, so we really don't know. <laughs> so th- this is what we walked into. If if you missed if you missed if you missed any hockey time at any time, here's what we have for you. So Fred's fans are reacting to John Hines getting hired by the Minnesota Wild. Could you write a better script, Max? Could you? It's unbelievable. Like uh, even when Hines got hired on yesterday, I, I mean that in itself, I just couldn't believe. But I didn't. I didn't. Re- I forgot to even think. Like, yeah, they're playing here on Thursday, and I'm like, oh, like I was kind of thinking to myself. So I bought. So on Sunday night. So Sunday there was a Titans game at home. I went to that, and I went to the Preds game because I wanted to do the Titans Preds double header. I've never done that before in the same day, which was cool. But I now I thought when I saw that hire, I'm like. Maybe I should have just not bought the ticket for Sunday and just gone to Thursday's game instead, so I could see John Hines against the against us. I mean, I don't even know how to react to this. I mean, I know John Hines is a great dude. Oh yeah, no one's a- no no one is ever. I mean, there's definitely bad people out there who try to attack people's character. Um, any any criticism that I've ever given given John Hines is purely hockey related. You know, like I don't know the guy personally. I, I all I've like heard him. is positive. Players, no, no player said a bad thing about him. No, all I've ever heard about John Hines is that he's a great guy, and, and I believe in all that, and I think he is a great guy. But when it comes to his coaching and and all that, and just purely hockey related, I, we're going to talk about it a little bit later in the Central Division rundown. But I cannot understand for the life of me why the Minnesota Wild would bring on John Hines at this point in the season other than other than they're looking for stability right now. They're looking for a head coach to come into the locker room and just calm everything down. And they've pretty much just given up on the season. I mean, that's all I can figure out. The Wild seem, honestly, with where the Wild are right now and them just hiring Hines, it very much seems like they're at the point where we were four years ago when we fired Laviolette. They're an extremely disappointing year. That's a good point. They know That's the, cup, point. the cup window is really coming to an end. You know, I always thought the Wild, their cup window was kind of kind of dwindling. I didn't think it would be this bad, of course. But I always thought, you know, they, they're kind of getting close to that point where they might need to call it quits. And, you know, I think, you know, this season, you know, certainly, if anything is shown, maybe they should completely blow it up. But, you know, with hiring Hines, like, yeah, you got the common presence, of course. But, like, What's your where's your upside really at with that? You know, I don't see for a team that has, you know, Kirill Kaprizov and needs a guy like that to lead a big offensive surge game by game. I don't I don't, you know, see that being a I don't see that helping him that much. So I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe it'll calm things down a little bit, but I don't know. I mean, I like I say, I think their upside is significantly capped with that higher. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's a weird thing for me because we're going to talk about it in the Central Division rundown, but the Minnesota Wild are, I mean, a lot of people predicted, including myself, that they were going to have a little bit of a down year, and they were very hard to figure out. But I saw plenty of predictions out there that still had them as the third-place team in the Central Division. I was, too. I, was so, I think I was one of those people. Yeah. So, it, it, they're a major disappointment. They're arguably the biggest disappointment. In the NHL right now, I can't think of I maybe besides Edmonton, I can't really think of like, or, although Edmonton might be ahead of them now. 
I would, yeah. I mean, Edmonton's definitely up there as well, and I feel like they're up there every year. Every year we talk about Edmonton being. You know, it was another disappointment, disappointment, and maybe, and maybe it's a little, maybe not quite as much. They have a few more points, and they're in the East, so it's a little harder. But New Jersey, New Jersey. Yes, no one's talking about that because they're the darlings. They're the media darlings of the league, the New Jersey Devils. They're the young, fun team, and they're they're stumbling. Jack Hughes, but yeah, they're again. It's the Eastern Conference, but they're even they're even behind Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, following the Predators and stuff, we don't follow the Eastern Conference as closely, but. Yeah, the Flyers have definitely been better, outperformed their expectations so far. Yeah. Very early, obviously. But yeah, the Devils, that's a good that's a good team to bring up there in terms of talking about disappointing teams right now. You would probably say the Wild, the Devils for sure, and the Oilers, those three teams I would say, put them in a in a in a sure. class on their own. And look it was looking early in the season like Seattle was gonna be among that bunch, but I'd say right now they're about what we expect them to be, like a mid-tier, mid-tier team that has a chance at a wild card, maybe third place in their division, but that's about where they are right now. So Justin not says be, that the rest love them. them some penguins. Yeah, we know. Oh, yeah, that. they all they've always loved the penguins. They they've always been the ref darlings. <laughs> I'll never get over the Colton Sissons snapshot. Yeah, that's... where that where that puck it, where he's flailed out on the ice. That puck is clearly across the red line, the goal line. Oh, clearly loose. They blew it dead because they thought that the goaltender had it, but clearly not. We got some uh, we got some uh, shenanigans going on here. We're coming up on the four minute mark of regulation. Penguins and Preds still tied two to two. It's been a really really good game, honestly. I mean, not flashy in any way, but very much two evenly matched teams. If you these two teams went against each, go so ahead. You keep, you keep going. You keep going. I was just gonna say real quick, and then you can go. I was just gonna say that if these two teams went at it in a seven-game series, it would probably go seven games. I'm not saying that either well, one of these teams will necessarily make the playoffs. You know, speaking of this game, and I kind of think it as a whole with Andrew Brunette's system. You know, we. You know, whenever, you know, John Hines was coached, we always talk about the system being, you know, dumping, physical, just bruising, all that. But the Preds certainly have not shied away from, you know, winning from battling and being physical. They're still they're still doing plenty of that under Brunette's system. That's not like that's really gone away at all. Yeah. And this is no, a I mean, example of that. One thing you're seeing from 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 the Predators right now is, yeah, they're a flashy team. They're flashier than they were under John Hines. And the biggest difference you see in every game, you've even seen it tonight, it doesn't necessarily work to a T every game. I think the Penguins, I give a lot of credit to the Penguins tonight in their defense. They've done a really good job uh, building a structure, a wall, if you will, at the blue line to keep the Predators from really um, breaking it and getting out in transition. Um, so I gotta give a lot of credit to the Penguins tonight, but every game, whether it works or not, the Predators rush up the ice, they take chances, they skip, they skip line changes sometimes to push the pace. Uh, whereas under John Hines in the day, it was always a dump and chase. It was always a we're gonna dump the puck and we're gonna we're gonna play that 60 foot game and we're gonna try to or that 200 foot game and we're gonna try to 
win the win the possession battle under Hines. Whereas under Burnett, way more chances are taken. Way more chances. I I think the Preds are even way better at the two hundred foot game under Burnett than they were under Hines because you know you would always see with Hines you know they couldn't score goals you know they didn't have the they didn't have the enough in their system to be able to do all the flashes up that Brunette has, but they also struggled with teams who had speed because they were always trying, they were too busy trying to be physical. But Brunette, they it's more emphasis on speed and truly playing that 200 foot game skating all across the ice. I, yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, you put the pressure on the opposing team because you're constantly coming at them. Yeah. You don't take risks. The only trade-off with this system is you are susceptible to getting burnt on the back end. And so we haven't even talked about this. So, Max, 209, episode 209, me and you both went back and forth on this about Luke Shen, what was going to happen. So, the so hey, the Predators go with seven defensemen tonight. They go down and a and one, two, and four. Sunday. Yeah. And so you see Luke Shen in there. And from what I've seen in his play tonight against the Penguins, he's done some good things, especially on the penalty kill, which is what I said was his main value is on the penalty kill. It doesn't mean that I'm on board with it. It doesn't mean that it it makes sense to me. Liam Foody is the healthy scratch in all of this. That makes sense. So um, how do you feel about that, Max? Because – I'll tell you real quick, but before you go, I'll tell you real quick how I feel about it. I kind of think that Andrew Burnett's playing some chess right now. I think, you know, it's, I, I think, you know, like I kind of kept saying a lot on Tuesday, I think it's definitely kind of reflective of, you know, him being in that trial and error phase, trying to see what works and what doesn't, um, you know, I never thought he'd go back to a McDonough Yossi just because, you know, they're, they're both left-handed defensemen. Although I would say that pairing has been very good. It's also weird that he's putting Barry and Fabro on a pair. They're both right-hand defensemen. I don't know why. That doesn't make a ton of sense. But, you know, as far as, you know, it goes with Shen, you know, after Sunday, I kind of thought, not going to lie, I kind of thought he was done because he had a turnover and that, that led to a jet school. And then he didn't play the rest of the game. And, you know, I definitely, I definitely would still sit him. You know, I don't, and I don't think, you know, seven defensemen and 11 forward is going to be, necessarily sustainable going forward because you again you still need your offense to be there and that's definitely part of Andrew Brunette's system and I, I and I mm-hmm. said a second ago I don't have a problem with waving or not waving you know not playing foodie because he hasn't really done much he's shown he's shown a few flashes here and there but doesn't really hasn't truly done a lot to warrant a night in and night out spot and you know you know and I, and I guess I could see him getting waved as I accidentally said a second ago but I could see that happening because if the Preds need a Especially when it Cody Glass and, and um Novak Tommy Novak come back and they need to make room. But you know, I guess I guess I would still say, you know, my opinion is not totally changed. I would still I'd still prefer for Shen to be the odd man out because I just because you know he definitely is slower than these other guys and he's and he's and his his performance has certainly been the worst out of all of them so far. So I would definitely think the other guys, if there's any, if there's any one guy I would take out of the lineup, it's probably Barry because he's had a, he's had a couple of few mistakes this year. And I wouldn't say he's done a ton to really show that he should be in versus where versus, you know, Fabro and Carrier, they played a lot. They played better, but 
Yeah, I think it's definitely, I think, you know, definitely some, you know, experimenting brunettes doing a little bit, but I'd still, I guess I would still prefer for Shen to be the odd man out on a nightly basis if it came, because the Preds won't, like I say, the Preds won't do seven defensemen forever. Yeah, I mean, I think what, what, what Brunette's doing right now is he's definitely testing all the pieces. He's testing all the puzzle pieces to see what fits. And you can, you can get away with that in game 20. Yeah. Game 20, you can do that. Uh, he has time, and he's riding a five-game winning streak. So yeah. he can still keep doing this. Once we get to the later second half of the season, let's hope that assuming injuries come together and, and let's say Novak and Glass get back in the lineup, that, that eventually Brunette can figure out, this is my preferred lineup every night if there's not an injury. If there's not an injury, because if you're pushing for the playoffs, if you really want to make the playoffs, which, I mean, I know there's a lot of people out there who are team tank. They want to tank, and I understand that. I'm not on that team. I never will be, but I Me respect either. people who are on that team. I get it. But either way, I don't want to get into that can of worms right now. But what I'm saying is this team clearly wants to win. They think they can yeah. win. Barry Trotz went, went out and did what he did in the offseason if he doesn't think they can win in the playoffs. So if you're going to – eventually, Brunette's going to have to figure out who is his playoff, playoff lineup. But we're way so far away from that that right. I think it's okay for him right now to be experimenting. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, we're kind of seeing – I mean, of course, it's going to change when, you know, Novak and Glass get healthy. But we're already seeing that he's starting to kind of figure out these forward lines a little. You know, it seems like – he likes that top line of Forsberg, O'Reilly, Nyquist, and, you know, Sherwood and Evangelista look like they're pretty much penciled in as the second-line wingers no matter what. I mean, anything can change, but, you know, Brunette's definitely mm. – I think Brunette's starting to, you know, figure out a little bit the forwards, and I think the defense, have been, the defense have been pretty stable. Of course, Shen hadn't been healthy for hardly any of the year, but, you know. But, yeah, no, like I've, like I've kept saying, and we'll probably say many more times on this, ep- on this podcast until it almost beats a dead horse – Trial and error is so much part of it, but you'd hope that like by January, he hasn't pretty much figured it out because that's about the time where you're like, okay, you've had enough time to kind of figure out your puzzle pieces. About Jan- like in January is about where I'm going to be like, we need, we can't do yeah. the, you know, the constant lineup shuffling, but, but the forwards, he's already kind of starting to show that it's, he's, he's figuring out, he's figuring it out a little bit more. Yeah. So we are heading to overtime between the Predators and the Penguins. You just saw Philip Tomasino nearly beat the pad of Tristan Jari. And that's another player on the on the other side of this ad read. I want to talk about Tomasino a little bit with you, uh, yeah. Max. I feel like we really have to, to really dissect what he has done. But before we get to that, and before we continue on into overtime between the Preds and the Penguins on this watch-along reaction episode, episode 210 of Catfish on Ice, let's tell you about DraftKings and the current offer. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook with all the hockey action. We are recording on a Tuesday right now. I had to think about that for a second. The days run together, especially coming after uh, Thanksgiving. But let's really look into the upcoming matchups uh, for the NHL right now. And there's, it's just, 
going so fast and furious. So looking at Wednesday, Wednesday, we've got the Montreal Canadiens at the Columbus Blue Jackets. You got the Blue Jackets as a slight favorite right there. You got the Red Wings taking on the Rangers. That's going to be fun. And we know about the Red Wings news, Max. Patrick Kane. Yep. Whoa. Whoa. That's going to be a really good game. Two really good teams so far this year. And it's on TNT, so nationally televised. Not even sure if Patrick Kane will be available for that game, but either Probably way. Not. And then you're, it's a really short Wednesday night slate, so if you're downloading this podcast on Wednesday morning and you're on your drive home, drive into work this morning, that, that's your NHL slate. You've also got the Capitals at the LA Kings. The LA Kings are ripping through people right now. As we would expect. Yep. No, they're and the they're Kings really good, are really Kings are the heavy favorites at home against the Capitals. Oh my god, Forsberg. What I happened? That's a bang. That's a bang, people. Yes. Forsberg continues his tear. Wow. He we gotta he review though. Defense. He made it look effortless. We, we gotta review. Is it being reviewed? Yeah, I see the refs reviewing. It says final overtime. Uh oh. I see Forsberg's raising his ice. stick up. Oh yeah, Penguins. Oh yeah, Mike Sullivan is yelling at somebody. But the Penguins players are going down the tunnel. It's over. It's over, folks. Okay, okay good. Forsberg season con- continues. So guess what I said? I said recently that. Oh my gosh, that's so close. That's a crazy play. I don't know what the Penguins were upset about. I'm trying to figure I it out here. Walking down. Sel- Mike Sullivan's not happy about something, but I see him walking down the Look at that speed. Now. Look at that speed by Forsberg, y'all. Hey, my, my, my prediction last week of Forsberg breaking that 84-point total is still looking good. Even though it's, it's looking still really good. Off, even though it's still way off. Oh, man, that does look close to offside, but I do think – Cole Smith did have his foot on the blue line. Was it Cole Smith? Wait, was it? It was O'Reilly. What was I looking at? My bad. Yeah, Prediction is saying O'Reilly maybe was offside. It was very close. No, I, I think I think his foot was just on the line. Prediction says, but it was interference by Penguin, so it's a good goal, Chad. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it, yeah. He didn't go down on his own power. That's for sure. Here's what I'm talking about with this goal, y'all. All sides or not, Forsberg in that speed, have we ever seen him play that way? So this is how we know Philip Forsberg in his entire career. He's got a great wrister. He's he's he can he can score on the power play. If you if you feed him, if you can find him in the right areas, absolutely he can score. He in the right high danger areas. But scoring goals like that from Philip Forsberg, skating the full length of the ice in overtime with speed going into the zone and just looking like Nathan McKinnon out there. Am I wrong for saying that, Max? That dude looked like Nathan McKinnon or someone like that. He looked pretty freaking fast on that play, that's for sure. The guy is on a mission. We've been saying this. I mean, and I don't want to sound too overdramatic right now, but the guy is coming back from a concussion. Yeah. And he suffered in February, not that long ago. Too. And now he's it playing. Not look good. 
And he's playing a very brutally physical sport where you get hit every play, basically. Yeah. And nothing looks like it's bothering him out there. He looks like he, not that, not that he hasn't lost a step, he looks like he's gained a step or two. And we, and we actually forget this. I wrote a piece for Pred Lines on it recently on Forsberg, and I singled myself out on, on, on my own article. I said, sometimes we forget how young Philip Forsberg, yes, Philip Forsberg, still is, because he's been around for so long. This is the dude year, is like, not even years. 30 years old yet. Yeah. Yeah, he's been his rookie, his like official rookie year was the 2014-15 season. He's still yes. only 29. So the yeah, Predators he's... win. Philip Forsberg scores the game winner. The winning streak reaches six games. And the point streak was good anyway. Pretty amazing. Nice to get the, the extra point as well in the six wins in a row. Yes. Um, just the Predators are just on a heater right now. They Absolutely. are. They're on a heater. And f- give a lot of credit to Andrew Burnett for keeping this team together. You went through that really ugly road trip, and then you lose your first two on the homestand, and everyone's thinking this is going to be awful, and it'll buckle in. And then next thing you know, you got a two-game winning – or a six-game winning streak, and you've actually beaten some pretty good teams in the process. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, you know, the, the Preds absolutely, again, I mean, like I said last week on the um, on the podcast, you know, the games like we had against the Avalanche last Monday where you come back in the final two, the final 30 seconds, you know, games like that can unlock a team because that just does so, that does so much for their confidence, beating a good team and getting rewarded for a good game they had played that whole night. And now it looks like they've, taking that to a different level. They're on a roll right now, and confidence with the team looks sky high. So it's a it's another multi-point game for Forsberg. He also had an assist on one of the, Michael McCarron's goals. Tomasino gets another point, so he is cruising right now and facilitating the offense. Um, and then on that final goal, the game-winning goal by Philip Forsberg, you get assists from Ryan O'Reilly and Roman Yossi. For the win, updated standings right now. The Predators are above 500 for the first time this season. So there you have it there. They've gone from last place when they played the Chicago Blackhawks just uh, less than two weeks ago to the updated standings. They are four points behind Winnipeg for third place, one point behind St. Louis, and they've moved past Arizona they're ahead of Minnesota, who they play on Thursday. And you got Chicago still in last place. So that's your updated standings. Predators got six wins in a row. They're cruising. They got Minnesota and John Hines on Thursday. We will talk a little bit more about that here coming up. But let's go ahead and finish out our DraftKings uh, ad read real quick. <laughs> Sorry, DraftKings. We're going to give you your love. But, of course, the Preds just won the game. So we had to cut to that. All right, so we just gave you our matchups for Wednesday on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Let's tell you about the offer right now. Download the app now and use code THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. 
That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-78-HOPENY or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. That's 467-369 in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. All right, so Preds win. Let's move along. So let's get into our... Thoughts on John Hines. Let's move into that. You got it scrolling about at the bottom of the screen there. John Hines is the new head coach of the Minnesota Wild. The Minnesota Wild have moved on from their embattled head coach, Dean Evenson. And um, I know if you're a Wild fan right now, you got to be shell-shocked. You were not expecting to go through a head coaching change at game 20. And you've got some superstars on this team that you don't want to see their windows wasted, including uh, Kirill Kaprizov and a few other players. But the more you look at the Minnesota Wild roster right now, they're not built to win right now. They're no, not. And it's it, it. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think they're kind of in the spot that we were years, just like like just kind of in the in, like just stuck in the middle, you know, not being you know, good enough to win, but also not being bad enough to kind of not being bad enough to get a high pick. And, you know, it's just, and then hiring Hines, I don't think it's, I certain and, you know, high, and, you know, people think, you know, Hines is a, you know, a lot of people think, you know, Hines is like a dumpster fire head coach, but, you know, he, I would say, I guess, you know, the best way I can describe Hines from his time in Nashville is he seems like a very streaky coach and streaky enough where it's like, He's not going to give you like the cons- like true consistency over a season, and it's going to kind of keep you in the because like it feels like he starts off either start or end a year, either start a year really bad or really good, but then end the year the exact opposite way. I mean, so it, so yeah, I mean, because I yeah, I don't really know how else to describe it, but like I do think you know this move pretty much ensures that the Wild are going to. You know, be kind of. I think it's a safe. You know, I think like for them, for that, then, if, if that, for that Minnesota, for the Minnesota Wild right now, I think that they're in a position where we always joke about recycled head coaches in the NHL. That's that's the running joke that the NHL yeah. is the best at just recycling head coaches, and that's kind of how people look at John Hines. They look at yes. him as a recycled head coach. He's not a great head coach. He's not a Stanley Cup caliber amazing head coach, but he is one of those head coaches or one of those types of coaches. They will always have a chance to get a job somewhere whenever a team is in desperate need to get somebody to come in 
and just stabilize the locker room. Yeah. And so that's how I see this. And so going into this Thursday, our next game, Predators are going to be carrying a six-game winning streak as John Hines comes to Bridgestone Arena. Just like so weird. Like no one yeah. expected this. You know, um, first of all, I don't I, – I really hope that fellow Predators fans – Show a little class and don't I do the too. man. I, yeah, I don't. I don't, don't want be, to see him classy. He, he's not that. I mean, rarely are people yes. like that, but I, especially I don't want to see Heinz getting booed. I'm full agreement there. I do not. It's. it's there, I don't like, think there. I don't think there will be a lot of boos. There might be a few here and there, but there's a time and a place. Do, yeah, I will be very, very disappointed in our true. fan base. If there is an overwhelming uh, ring of booze that you can actually hear on on um, they certainly think on it's the a broadcast, that's I hate to say it, but I I I I'm kind of expecting it, unfortunately. Because I can promise you that if it's loud enough to be noticeable, it will make its way to social media. Oh yeah, and hockey 100%. Twitter. And I don't want our fan base being known for booing a guy who maybe wasn't the best head coach, but at the same time, the guy did care about this franchise. And he was a really good player. And he was a good player's coach. He was a very good player's coach. The players loved playing for him. We just didn't, like you say all the time, Max, we didn't like his playing style and it didn't match. You can put all that aside, but the, the the man himself is a is a good dude. He was good for the community. I really appreciated watching his coaching style behind the scenes when that when the NHL Network did the uh, behind the glass series before last yeah, season. I did too. I, I thought I, I was, he was really fun to listen to. I didn't think he was the right head coach for the franchise necessarily, but he definitely does not deserve any type of booze from the home crowd. Um, so let's hope that he gets a, a good, a good little respectful round yeah. of applause. And then let's play hockey on Thursday. And for as as much as people will talk about his on ice stuff. People forget that when the Preds put in, you know, when the Preds put in their really good, when they're really young players like Evangelista, um, you know, I, I, I guess I forget who, who it all was. I have to think, but like all those guys who went in late in the year and they're doing well and people say, Oh, it's just Carl Taylor. You, you don't want to give Hines at least a little bit of credit. If he's a t- this Afanasiev got back in the lineup. Afanasiev played for a little bit. John Hines is, and you guys, and I'm even kind of stealing words from you guys from a few, when you guys talked to us on the podcast last year, if John Hines is that truly terrible of a head coach, those guys are going to come into the league in their first few games and have no idea what they're doing. John Hines is at least well, a yeah, I mean, head coach. So Hines went 134 wins, 96 losses, 18 overtime losses with uh, the Predators in his tenure, which was a much, much, much better point percentage than his time with the Devils. Here's, and I always said this, I've always been very transparent with this. The problem with John Hines was you never felt like he was the head coach that was going to be able to carry you through a brutal postseason. Yeah, yeah, has he ever won a playoff series? I don't think he has. He's he's three and eleven as a with the Predators. He was three and eleven. I think he was like one and four. Oh, just in playoff games. games. Yeah, that's 
Yeah. Yeah. It's not, not what you want. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it was pretty obvious in that series versus the avalanche, how outmatched we were not only in terms of talent, but you know, like, you well, say, we like, also didn't have UC Soros. So give him a, give yeah. him a little bit of a pass that Soros they, wasn't they, they in still that. skated circles around us. They did that whole series. Yeah. It wasn't. So close. I, I think for the wild, from the Wilds' perspective, it's a, it's just a really, I think it's a safe pick, and they don't want to go out in the middle of a season and take a chance on a young blood head coach that doesn't have any experience, and so they see John Hines as that really safe option. They can just like maybe stabilize the season a little bit. You're probably not going to win a Stanley Cup this year or go deep in the playoffs, but maybe he can come in and rally the troops. And I got news for you. I got news for all of us. We're we're all happy and tagging hands right now because we got a six game winning streak. It's it's you're a sports fan, Max. You you watch sports. You watch football. You watch hockey. You watch yep. all that. Anytime a team in any sport makes a coaching change, that that team comes out rallied. They come out ready, whether it's they're ticked off, chip on their shoulder, whatever it is. I'm telling you right now, the Predators not only better make sure that they're ready to play on Thursday, but they better be ready to play a complete game because if they don't, if they come out lackadaisical or they come out in that first period uh, in cruise control, they – not only could they lose to the Wild on Thursday, and I'm calling it right now, they could get ran out of the building. I'm just telling you right now, these are human beings, and those players for that Minnesota Wild team right now, they're taking all this in right now. They're ticked off. They got a new head coach right now that they might not be happy about. And the Predators on the other end are winning. They've won six in a row. So the Predators better come out as the team that's ticked off. Yeah, because I mean, if and, not, the Wild are going to come in and run circles around them. And don't and don't you know, and and don't for and don't forget as well, you know, that the fact just the fact that John Hines knows the Preds is going to play a role. Like even though it's a different system, but we've seen in sports anytime like a former player, coach, whatever, you know, plays against their former team, they're going to drop some intel just because you know they just because they know so much, and that's. That's definitely going to happen because John Hines is going to have some pointers about the Preds that, you know, Dean Evison wouldn't have or a lot of other guys who haven't coached the Preds. But, you know, it's virtually the same team. Minus, I guess minus a few players because Hines did finish the year with the team that had traded everyone at the deadline. So besides, uh, like, I don't Kane know, though. Joker, the Preds are a much different team, though. I, I guess. But, like, there's still have a lot of the same players there. Like, Yossi's still there and – Forsberg and a bunch but the of way they play, players. though, the way they play is nothing like what what John Hines coached. I mean, I guess you're. Right. I'm not too. I'm not really too worried about that. I'm not too worried about him really knowing, because uh, every every coach in this league knows how good Yossi is or how good. I think that I'm more worried about a letdown game. You're riding a six sense. game winning streak. It's human nature. It's human nature. These are all humans. It's human nature. You're riding a six-game winning streak. That maybe I still see this team in the way Brunette's rallying, rallying his troops right now. I, I don't see this as the type of team that's going to just like stroll in on Thursday because they've won six in a row. 
and just no. take the wild for granted. I don't see this team that way. All I'm saying is that is the one thing that kind of worries me about this John Hines reunion is that I think the wild are going to come in extremely pissed off and it's a, it's a division. It's a division matchup. They're going to be out to prove something and they're definitely not going to take this game off. So the predators better make sure they don't take this game off either. Otherwise they will get ran out of the building. You're playing an NHL quality team that's underperforming their expectations right now. So be ready. This and game worries just, me, man. Thursday just, worries me. And just another thing also is just like the fact that Preds have won six in a row. And I always say they got momentum, but at some point the law of averages have to play out. I mean, the Preds aren't just going to win every game for the rest of the season. At some point here or there. They're they, not? I thought they were, Max. All right. Well, <laughs> I wish I could believe that much. But no, I mean, <laughs> seriously, the Preds, they're going to, you, you got to think sometime within the next week or so they're going to lose one of these games because winning streaks don't typically last more than like five or six games if they're even that long in hockey. Well, let's go ahead and stop the count today, Max, because according to Justin, the Preds are officially in a playoff spot after starting five and ten. Hey, maybe they'll keep winning more just because I said they're not. Let's hope that happens. No, let's just cancel the seat the rest of the season. The Preds <laughs> are in the playoffs. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Wild card magic. All right. So we're getting ready for the John Hines reunion on Thursday. I'm officially kind of worried about it. So if you remember in the last episode, we discussed what we thought was going to happen in the upcoming homestand. And I, Max, give me a little credit here. I, I like my ego yep. stroked a little bit every now and then. Yep. Um, I said the Predators were going to go four and one over the next five after that avalanche game, they completely, they could still go four one. There's one game left to play and that's against the wild. But I said they were going to go four one and oh, but I said they were going to lose to the jets. Well, guess what? They beat the jets. And if, and I'll get a little bit, I feel pretty good. And I'll get a little bit of ego stroke here too. On the, on that same podcast, I said that game against Calgary, it was going to be a 4-2 Preds win. And guess what happened? Tyson Berry made a mistake at the end that secured <laughs> the 4-2 nice. win. It would have been 4-1, but because Barry, Barry must have known, I said Preds are going to win 4-2. He He's did. Like, you know what? He must, he must have watched for us. And you know what? I got to make this prediction right. And they and they he came did. through. So the Preds ended up winning 4-2. Tyson Berry's a good dude. I think he did that Absolutely. for you, man. Absolutely. That was a good prediction on your part, man. But, uh, yeah, so – Good mojo going on right now, but I am a little worried about Thursday. I hate to say it, but I am. But yeah, um, either way, definitely makes sense to worry. Either way, let's move on. We're about to rank our best fighters in Preds history, and we're going to do the Central Division rundown. Before we do that, yeah. let's tell you about our last sponsor. That is Raycon, which is um, let's tell you about Raycon. All of their wireless products, all of their tech gear, everything they have is the perfect holiday gift for you right now so right now it is the chaotic holiday season black friday has already passed if you're anything like me you wait till the last minute to get all your shopping done i hope you're not like me but if you are yeah. you have a friend because i'm, just I'm, like I'm guilty of that not gonna lie yeah but either way <laughs> raycon's got you covered raycon's got awesome gear for you so much options for you it may be too early to start decorating for the holidays not for a lot of people but uh you know either way 
It may be too early for de- decorating for the holidays, but it's never too early to start your holiday shopping. Why not take care of it now before the crowds and packed calendars make shopping a total nightmare, especially when you can get some of the best deals of the season well before Black Friday. You can shop Raycon products right now and save up to 50% off because they're early Friday sale is going on now. You've heard me talk about Raycon's products before with all of their awesome gear, their water filters, their wireless earbuds, their wireless speakers. Everything they sell is just high quality and the best. Raycon first made a name for themselves in the audio space with products like their everyday earbuds known for delivery, delivering high quality and thoughtful features like a 32-hour battery life and a perfect in-ear fit for all-day wear and lasting comfort. And this past year, they expanded their entire business with the introduction of Raycon Home and Raycon PowerTech. So for me, the best thing that I think they have out of their newest products is definitely their faucet filter ultra filters, the water in your tap against chlorine and heavy metals. It's a must have for ensuring the water you use to wash your face and brush your teeth is, you know, actually clean. Raycon is known for delivering high quality and thoughtful features at half the price of other premium tech brands. It's no wonder their products have racked up tens of thousands of five-star reviews to get everyone in the holiday shopping spirit a bit early. Raycon is currently offering 20% off everything on their site with select products up to 50% off. So beat the crowds and save now. Trust me, you do not want to miss out on Raycon's current sales. Hurry now to buy Raycon.com slash THPN to get 20 to 50% off statewide. That's buy Raycon.com slash THPN to score up to 50% off Raycon products. Buy Raycon.com slash THPN. Raycon has amazing products. We appreciate them being a sponsor of the podcast. All right, Max, top fighters in Preds history. About to put mine on the screen at the bottom. Without further ado, there's my top five right there. It's Cody McLeod. More similar than I thought it was going to be. But I think one and two is going to be controversial. I. And, well, can I um? I really I wanted. To put- I, I will say your number five. I didn't uh, know if you were going to put him on there at all because he played so little with the Preds. But that's that was exactly what I was thinking for number Cody five. Cody McLeod was a beast. Absolutely, he didn't play. That's very all he long, did. Though. That's all he was out there for. Pretty much. I think like we only- watch current. So like, real, real quick, we watch current Preds players that like to fight. Like Jeremy Lazan, he loves yep. to fight. Michael McCarron, um, loves to fight. But they still have certain things they can do out there. Cody McLeod, from what I remember him in his short time with the Pure Predators, fighter. that's all he was doing. If he was on the ice, he was about to fight. Yeah, absolutely. So that I, was pretty much I, I crack him into for. my top five. I crack him into my top five, but if you see my honorable mention, it was kind of tough to figure out who that fifth slot was because Rich Clune was a good yep. fighter. He played very – Stu Grimson's actually considered one of the best fighters in NHL history. He was called the Grim Reaper. Uh, you got to look up Stu Grimson. Yeah, I mean, I, I do remember him. I, I do remember – He did I color got, commentary for the Predators, too, for a short I actually, at some, I actually at separate points got pictures with both Kloon and Grimson because Grimson was a commentator yeah. for the Preds and Kloon played for us for a bit. So, I, I remember 
Plus, I mean, how, I mean, he had the nickname the Grim Reaper. I mean, are you serious? Um, yeah. And then Wade Block as well was a really good underrated fighter. So they right. make my honorable mention. But number five for me is Cody McLeod on my top five Preds fighters yeah. list. Uh, Max, how about you get your list started real quick for me? I would say Cody McLeod at five. And again, that was one I did not know we were going to agree on, but I got him up there. And I actually, I, I will admit, I was going to say Michael McCarron for number four, but after, you know, I, I had honestly totally forgotten about Austin Watson as crazy as that was. So I, after thinking about him, I would probably, I'd actually replace, probably, I would say four and five are interchangeable for me between um, Watson and um, Cody McLeod. But I actually, but I also will say I had that, I will say I had three, two, and one in that exact order. Right, really? Yep, I did. So... I wrestled with myself on putting Austin Watson in my top five because I remember Austin Watson losing a lot of fights. I really do. I, I felt like that dude never turned down a fight, but at the same time, I felt like he lost a lot of fights. And get in the comments with me if you remember the same thing. But to the same degree, he never backed down from the fight, so I gotta give him respect for that. And neither does Michael McCarron. Took a lot of fights. Yes. So, he, he cracks my top five. He also played for the Predators for a long time in that role. He carried a... And, and I don't know if you remember, I know it's not necessarily fighting, but Austin Watson would block shots left and right. That dude literally threw his body on the line Every game he played, every shift, he was a human, just wrecking ball, just to yeah, stop cups. Like making hits too, like all over. So I'm he comes surprised. in at number four. I'm, I'm honestly me. surprised that McCarron's not even in your honorable mentions. I am a little surprised no. at that. He hasn't. He 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 doesn't fight that much though. You, I guess. I guess I think he fights more than he actually does. I don't know, but I am. I thought for sure you would have him on that honorable mentions i'm a little no. bit surprised he's not on there i mean i, I could have thrown him in there i could have thrown him in there you're right he's worth an honorable mention i just didn't put him in there yeah um he just doesn't fight a lot when he does fight it's always real like we saw him fight tonight yep. um when he does fight it's always really exciting because i mean you're yep. talking about a i mean he's he's big enough to be a basketball player i mean especially on skates the dude yeah. is like a tower um so Obviously, when he fights and he drops the gloves, and in tonight's fight against the Penguins, I mean, that was like a boxing match. I mean, they both dropped the gloves and sized each other up for a while. And so I've got some stats here for my next few fighters on my list. So first, let me go to Watson real quick, uh, who's my number four fighter in Prince history. So I used uh, HockeyFights.com, which is a great website. They actually rate every they score every fight in every nhl game and it's almost like they do a fight card and it's a great website hockeyfights.com go check it out but so for austin watson he took 14 fights for the preds in the 2016-17 season which was that team that eventually went on to the stanley cup final 14 fights that year he fought such players notable players as Tom Wilson, Gabriel Landeskog, Cody McLeod, and <laughs> Pat Maroon. Yeah, certainly guys who are, who certainly guys who, if you're, 
scared and experienced, whatever. You, certainly, guys, you do not want to be fighting unless you have business doing so. Exactly. Austin Watson was not afraid to drop the gloves with anybody, if you look at that. 14 fights in one season, that's a lot. Nice. That's a lot. Hasn't Michael McCarron dropped the gloves more than once this year? I could have sworn he has. I think I don't he know has. I don't know, I don't know the exact has, number. I could, be, I could be wrong there, but I'm I'm pretty sure he's dropped. Counting tonight, of course. I would venture to say he's dropped the gloves at least two or three times, including tonight. But I don't know off the top of my head. I got you. So let me go to number three. And, and my top three was actually kind of hard to figure out because all three are like all-time greats in terms of fighting for this franchise. But I went number three. I went to the great Mark Borowiecki, who I still miss that dude. And I know he's in a coaching role with the team right now. Um, not sure his capacity and what all he's doing, but I know he's has a role. Uh, such a stand-up guy. Um, what he does for the community in, in terms of mental health awareness is something that's so far beyond anything you could ever do on the hockey rink. Um just love that dude. And I miss, I miss seeing him out there playing, yeah. but in terms of fighting in this segment, he comes in at number three for me because yeah. anytime I saw Mark Borowiecki drop the gloves when he was in his prime and when he first joined the Predators before he dealt with all those injuries, I was like, this dude's done. Whoever he dropped the gloves with, I'm like, yeah, you have no chance. I mean, yeah, Borowiecki no, he- has like very little teeth. He looks like he literally does not care about anything. Like, I'm taking you down. Um, he comes in at number three for me, Mark Borowiecki. Yeah, it's, it, I guess maybe I'm biased, you know, from only watching from watching him being on my team and stuff. But it very much felt with Borowiecki's fights, more than more so than anyone else, it very much felt like he did it to, like, stick up for his team more than they, instead of just, you know, in-skating. Because, like you said about Borowiecki, off the ice – you would never know he's a fighter with the kind of guy he is. Just what, like you said, what he does in the community and also coaching for the team now. But, you know, he but he would drop the gloves when he had to. And he was out there to protect his team. And he would certainly do that. He was he was one of those guys that you could just lean on. Yeah. Justin Gambino gets a good uh, honorable mention in here. Uh, he wasn't yeah. here for long, but Matthew Olivier was a great fighter. Original Herdman That's a member. really... That's a really good honorable mention submission there. Yeah. Love that one, Justin. Very good one. And then Mike Twitter jumps in and says, Watson fought for the right reasons, at least for the good of the team and defense of his teammates. I do remember that's, that. That's, Watson would always stick up for his teammates if there was like a, a, if it was a borderline hit, a dirty hit, whatever. And then Justin also says, I agree on Watson. Yeah. <laughs> When it comes to some of the things, he did lose a lot of fights. Let's just yep. call it like it is. Watson lost a lot of fights, but he still makes number four for hey, me. As long as, right. as, long, as long as you're fighting, though, that's what matters. Number, yeah. all right, top two, I feel like it's pretty clear cut yeah. for this franchise. I think yeah. most Predators fans would agree with our top two here. Yeah. But my number two, and I wrestled with myself on who to be number one, who to be number two. But, mm, Let's start with Tanner Janot. Tanner Janot is my number two. I really wanted to make him number one, but I just couldn't do it. Tanner Janot is number two for me. Uh, best fighters in Preds history because Janot was one of those guys that just, I mean, if you step up against Janot, you better be ready to fight. I can't tell you how many times that players actually backed down from Janot. 
they were like, I don't want to fight you. Yeah, and like, after, and with the, the amount of hits he made, yeah, you couldn't be. Again, that's one of those other players you couldn't fight without having business doing so. You know, one it seemed like nobody was ever that dumb to you know instigate with him because he was he really was that intimidating. I mean, he would have that he guy. Would, I don't think he ever did, but I, he would have fought Tom Wilson if he ever had to. He wouldn't care. Oh, for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. And he, he might I mean, definitely he might have after he's been on the Lightning, but like I honestly don't know. There but. was there was definitely players I remember watching games where Janot wanted to fight. He yeah. want he was pushing it. He was pushing the buttons, and guys would step down and not drop the gloves with him. I'll just I'll never forget the first game he ever played for us, where he um when he when he hit John Klingberg and sent him flying. I'm like. Oh my God! This yeah. guy is who's crazy. this Janot guy? Well, I this, knew right guy. Was like, this is going. He, this is going to be that kind of guy. I was like, goodness, what is going on here? And to this day, that trade to the Lightning. Um, so I live down here in Tampa area, and I can tell you right now, I, I have plenty of friends who are Lightning fans, and they love Janot just as much oh, as yeah. we do. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, he's just he's a prototypical hockey fans dream player to cheer for he just he plays the game the right way he's a hard skater he he he's starting to finally find his place with the Tampa Lightning right now if you follow the Tampa Lightning down here and you see what they're doing as a team right now uh who they're playing very well actually as well right now but uh he's starting to find his place with the Tampa Lightning just as he did with the Predators and I know that hurts that breaks the hearts of Predators fans to hear that but because we love Jano so much, but let that dude flourish somewhere else. And I think he's going to do some really great things as a member of the Lightning. Man. And I think in in time, that trade is as much as everyone thought the Lightning got fleeced because they gave away so many draft picks for Tanner Jano. I actually think that that trade can end up being one of those trades that works out great for both teams. Yeah. And I still think that any Preds fan who says they wouldn't have taken that trade is probably it's not probably definitely lying to themselves because who wouldn't I would have I, I would have taken what the season you know was having last year I would have taken one first for him or second through fifth round picks and the fact that we got all of that is crazy I mean you that's still a trade I take in a heartbeat all the love for you know I'll still be a fan favorite all times but that it's unfortunately it's a business and when you see deals like that for a guy like you know you you got to take him and run with them. It shocked everybody when it happened, yeah. including myself. I mean, no including, one ever thought that. Like I literally saw a tweet. I can't remember who it was. It might, it might have been Friedman or Sir Volley. I don't remember who it was, but it was a pretty reputable source. And it said, G- literally, GMs in league are stunned, like jaws on the floor. I, I'll never forget that tweet. Yeah. It was crazy. All right. Let's go to our top fighter. At least for me personally in Preds history, the legend. Yeah, it's the it's the legend Jordan Tutu. Um, I mean, the dude was very similar to Jano in a way. I compare them very closely, but Tutu was the type of player that. I mean he he was out there to fight, but he also was a fast skater and he had energy. They're very similar. Actually, they really were. They're very similar style players, but Jordan Tutu had 160, 16 career fights in the NHL. 
and has the most penalty minutes in Preds history with 725, and he's going to hold that that top spot for a very, very long time. No one, no one active right now is even close to touching that record, and a lot of those penalty minutes are fighting majors. Um, yeah, Tutu yeah, was just a great fighter, and he was he. I remember watching Tutu do the uppercut. He was so good at at grabbing grabbing the shirt and getting getting that position and coming right up. I mean, Tutu was just like a brawler. And it, it, it's tough between Janot and Tutu, but Tutu was the original OG of this franchise yeah. when it came to that type style of play. And so I, I cannot move Tutu off the top, off the mantle. I don't, th- I don't think anyone Red would. Yeah, I just can't gonna, do it. Yeah, and I can't honestly, there's it. really nothing you said that I could really – Add to, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much pretty much everything you said. Tutu was the original fighter for the Preds, and yeah, just that was his that was his mo all the time, and that's yeah, he won't get away from that. And I welcome people to go look at YouTube videos of Tutu fighting in a Preds in a Preds sweater. There's plenty of videos out there, and you'll understand why he's at the top of my list. So that's our top five Preds fighters in Preds history with some honorable mentions there. Um, current Preds players, I mean, Michael McCarron's a really good choice. Yakov Trennan, who doesn't fight as much, and I don't really want to see Trennan fighting that much, but he can fight. Um, you look at it more and more, the Preds don't have a ton of fighters currently right now. They're more mm-hmm. skill. You got Jeremy yeah, Lazan. Really, yeah, no, they, they don't have a lot of those fighters. And that's really it. Jeremy Lazan and Michael McCarron, they're your two fighters. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And McCarron doesn't even play won't even play like every night. So and Cole Smith. I, we can't leave out Cole Smith. He's a oh, fighter yeah. too, but yeah. And not to the degree of the other guys, though. And no fighting allowed for uh for Alexander Carrier ever. No, we don't want him fighting. He needs to be on the ice. And there was a pregame interview with Carrier. It was a few games ago. I can't remember who they were playing. And he was talking. They asked him about Jeremy Lazan and how he plays and how important he is. And Carrier was saying, like, "Oh yeah, like sometimes I wish I could I could play that way and and, and fight or whatever." And he kind of like chuckled, and I'm like, "No, please no." No, nope, that's not your mo. You're you're a, you're a pure skill guy. We need to stay that way. Let let Jeremy Lazan do all the fights. You stay out of that, please. No, nope, he, 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 I'm totally okay keeping his role. Let's get into the Central Division rundown really quick to close out episode 210 of Catfish on Ice with your hosts, Chad Minton and Max Greenberg. Let's get down to business here with the Central Division rundown. Connor Bedard reportedly not happy in Chicago. Let's start with that. Um, and this is way, this doesn't even have anything to do with all the nasty rumors that are going on. Uh, that we're not really going to dive into because I don't like to talk about rumors like that. Because um, yeah. for for one, there's no concrete evidence. I will say that the Chicago Blackhawks GM did come out today and say that it's gross rumors, and you know it's it's a very private matter. It's involving his family, Connor Bedard's family, and these rumors are something that could literally wreck this young man's career if if and- if, if it gets out of control. Can I say one thing? And that's yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's separate from Bedard's family. I saw an ESPN notification two minutes ago. This just in: 
Incident involving Corey Perry occurred in Columbus of involving team employee per Emily Kaplan. So it has nothing to do with Connor Bedard. Apparently not. So this was a this was a some rumor that was started by some person who just wants clout and that, that yeah. that's the that's the downside to social media and Twitter and all of that is that these these bot accounts and these parody accounts can spread these rumors and unfortunately when it comes to something like this it involves family it involves um uh a lot of jokes and like look i like a good joke i like to laugh i'm not saying that i'm like a prude or anything but when you get when you when you start involving family and when you start involving someone literally the age of Connor bedard he's a young man like he's he's and you're involving his family and his mother. I just think it's in bad taste, and it's it's just yeah. sick. But and especially um, when you get to an environment like this, where you you want to give you know, insightful analysis, we don't want to be talking about those rumors unless like we know they're true. But like you know, especially when it comes to settings like this that are more serious, you know, we want to, you know, we we don't like to t- especially that we don't want to touch those topics. But also, even outside of all of that, even before all this this rumor started like spreading like wildfire. Um, there are reports out there, and they are just reports, and they could be yep. rumors as well, but there are reports that Connor Bedard is not actually happy within the way the Chicago Blackhawks front office and the team culture is being ran right now. So we can dive into that. Do you yep. think that's a nothing burger, Max, or do you think that there's something more to that possibly? You know – because you know, we know the Blackhawks are all a mess. The Blackhawks that's come out with the you know Kyle Beach stuff. We don't need to Kyle go over Beach. that again. That's everyone. Everyone has a set opinion on that by now. There's no need to talk about that anymore. And you know, I, I certainly, I certainly will join the Dart in saying I don't like the Blackhawks now. They're running all of that. You know, I'm a, although I'm he's a player and I'm just a Blackhawks hater. But you know, I think as far as you know what it means going forward. Wouldn't put too much stock into it right now. You know, he's eight, he's 18 years old. You know, he's he still is in the NHL, but you know, he's probably got some maturing to do, like all 18 year olds do. You know, it's it's being an 18 year old in the NHL is no small responsibility whatsoever. And you know, part of it, you know, could be the fact they're just losing. And you know, because you know that that roster, even with Bedard, is still bottom three in the NHL, especially with Taylor Hall out for the year. I believe it's out for the year, is what it is. Yeah. Taylor Hall, and yeah. you know. Part of it, right? I, I would guess, you know, right now, I definitely think there's a good chance that a lot of his unhappiness is due to just the fact that they're losing, and that was going to happen to pretty much any team that any team that drafted him in that position. So, I mean, I think I wouldn't. I guess right now, you know, I wouldn't put. You know, I obviously we know the, how the Blackhawks are running. It could be do with it could have to do with a lot of that stuff, and maybe you know he certainly, Bedard is certainly behind those closed doors more than you know, we're not behind those closed doors at all. We everything we see is purely on the scenes. So. You know, we don't. Well, one thing, is, one thing we, one thing we do seem to know is that the the culture surrounding the Blackhawks is probably one of the worst in the absolutely. league. Like, it's not a, it's a very, it seems like it's a very toxic atmosphere. And maybe, uh, you know, the GM uh, Kyle Davidson yeah. is trying to fix all that. Yeah. I'm not trying to judge that guy, uh, but what I'm saying is there is maybe some credence to maybe Bedard not being happy with where he's at. He's a generational talent. I mean, 
is there a possibility that he could not be happy there and eventually he could push his way out before he ever signs a long-term contract there? That could happen. Yeah, that, that could happen and for I, sure. And I, and I think if yeah. you're if you're a black if you're a diehard Blackhawks fan right now, this has been a really, really tough week. Because yeah, maybe you weren't expecting your team to be anything great this year, but literally your lottery and your stock is all in Connor Bedard. And if with all of this with this really crappy, horrible rumor that's strolling around, but not even just that, but these reports that are saying He's not happy in that with where he's at. It's it's bad news. The Blackhawks did beat the Kraken tonight, so they did win yeah. on the ice. And looking at it, like I mean, the I mean, the Kraken are kind of a mess right now. But uh, yeah, and Connor Bedard did play in this game. Didn't register a point, but did record 16 minutes of ice time. Yeah. Um, but the Blackhawks do get the four to three win. Let's move along here in the Central Division rundown. Something a little bit more positive here. Ryan Johansson, the former Predator, is absolutely tearing it up for the Colorado Avalanche. And I'll tell you right now, I could not be more happy for the guy. Absolutely. Now, everyone loves Joey. You know, the, we, we saw last Monday when he had the, the ovation from the crowd. You, you couldn't say a bad thing about him. He was loved on the ice, in the locker room, everywhere he goes, you know, Nobody has a bad thing to say about right about Joey. And, you know, what's crazy is, you know, now he's he's not because when he was in Nashville, he was, of course, known as a pure distributor and a guy who's, you know, more of a facilitator. But he's already got 10 goals in 21 games. And you'd like to see his, the assists he has to rack those up a little bit. But like 10 goals that we could see Johansson be a 40 goal scorer. That's crazy. And, you know, we I feel like we all kind of had a feeling that once Johansson kind of went to a more offensively inclined team like the Avalanche that he could start to break out a little bit more. And yeah, I mean, and he, he's obviously on a much yeah. more talented roster right now than yep. he ever was on Nashville, Absolutely. but he had a two goal game. He had, a, so the Avalanche beat the lightning four to one on Monday and Ryan Johansson had a two goal game in that one. So as Max just said, uh, Ryan Johansson is uh, 10 points in, in 21 games this year. Uh, nine of those being goals, only one assist. That's kind of surprising. You got to feel like that's going to balance out a little bit, though. Yeah. But either way, you know, one thing about Ryan Johansson is, I mean, he's 31 years old. He's at the back. He's in the, t- he's on the back nine of his NHL career. But the fact that he's still producing for a loaded Avalanche team. And also on top of that, he has a chance, a realistic chance to win a Stanley cup, his first Stanley cup with the Avalanche this year. Uh, You can't, you can't help but be happy for him. And he's a great guy. He never wanted to leave Nashville. He wanted to retire a Nashville predator. Yeah. He'll always be a Nashville predator. He'll always be a Nashville predator. People have to like, and there's still a crowd of people that talks about, you know, Oh, he was overpaid. He was a liability. Well, like, number one, don't blame him for that because, you know, it's not – he accepted the contract, so that's not his fault. But, like – but he still made a lot of contributions to this team in that playoff run back in 20, 2017. He was, he, was one of the, he was one of the biggest X factors. And you, you can't, you know, you can't get mad at him for the contract that he was offered. That's an, and just in general, you know, I always get mad whenever – fans or anyone blame the players for those contracts. It's not the players who are, you know, 
just stealing the money. They're being offered the money by the front office. If, if you're offered a $10 million contract or whatever, you're going to take it no matter what you're doing. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's good to see him land in a good spot. If there's any former predator that deserves a Stanley Cup, it's definitely Ryan Johansson. And the same goes for Matt Duchesne with, with Dallas. Yeah. And so we're looking at two former predators who enjoyed a lot of success with this franchise, Ryan Johansson more so than Matt Duchesne. But um, they're both with perennial Stanley Cup contenders within the division, no less, which is really weird for Predators fans. But either way, both players are very upstanding and great people, and they both deserve Stanley Cups. So you look at both teams, the Stars and the Avalanche, that could be your Western Conference championship final preview. Um, So, yeah, but definitely – Happy uh, for Ryan Johansson to see success. Uh, great dude. So, with that said, we've already ta- we've already touched on the Minnesota Wild being a huge disappointment in the league as part of our Central Division rundown. We're going to see the Wild on Thursday. That's the next game for the Predators. Six wins in a row. Uh, Philip Forsberg scores the game winner in overtime tonight to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. Three to two. Oh, how sweet it is. And with that said, we are going to let you go here tonight on episode 210 of Catfish and Ice with Rose, Chad Minton and Max Greenberg. We'll see you next time. Have a great night, everybody.